ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Yo, 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 beautiful people. How's it going? Hope you're all doing well wherever you are in the world. And it's so great to be back this week with another podcast. So sorry, guys, about last week. Really been going through a lot of stuff, trying to figure a lot of things out. Had a lot of things pulling us in a few different directions. So I just thought it was... I had to just make a decision last week just to give myself a little bit of a break from editing the podcast and putting it out. As you know, I'm sort of going through a Kundalini awakening, so I'm trying to find my way through that. Um, Also did some podcasts at the weekend as well. I was in London doing five podcasts. So that was awesome as well. And also at the same time, I think... I, for me, it's all as I say, probably the same for you guys as well. It's always about trying to find that balance in life, the balance between family, the ba- balance between sort of play, the balance between earning money. You can't get away from that. So we all have to we all have to balance these different areas of our life, and I think it's it's just it's just about trying to, for for trying to figure that out, stumble through that in whatever way we can. But it's about trying to understand that a balance at time is needed in different directions so anyway that's my excuse for missing the podcast last week regardless of that a podcast is back this week and this is awesome conversation with a really interesting lady called tree car she is an expert into dream interpretation she's very much interested in dream symbols and how we can sort of use the dreamscape to heal ourselves and dive in our own psyches and unconscious mind the dream realm really is a fascinating area for me as you know in the past i've spoke about that many different times but i feel that in the past i've spoke about many times about lucid dreaming and sort of went and dove off into the depths of them conversations right dove right down the rabbit hole into them conversations and on this podcast, I'm really, I don't think I've had a conversation about dream interpretation and how dreams in the messages that dreams have given us and what could their messages be given us. Because I'm definitely, I'm definitely um, on the same lines of what Carl Jung says, that he says that probably 90% or more of our dreams are definitely a part of our psyches trying to unravel and trying to guide us and teach us certain things and it's def- I feel that's definitely the case I do feel that the unconscious mind plays out certain narratives whether it comes in the form of the shadow it comes in the form of other things within the dream realm and we have to sort of try and unravel that learn from it and then take it into our awakened life so a big part in this podcast we definitely talk about the unraveling of dream interpretation and what what could be the deeper messages that it's trying to tell us and how maybe it's how our psyches are trying to communicate us, communicate, communicate, communicate to us, and really 
as you know, it's just trying to make us a better human. I think that's what a lot of a lot of these different teachings are trying to make us do. They're trying to unravel certain aspects of ourselves to make us better human beings in the world. So anyway, I know you're going to love this conversation with Trey. If you want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is through the Patreon page. It really is a great platform to help me to keep doing what I'm doing. It helps the upkeep of the podcast puts a bit of fuel in the tank when I'm traveling around and just helps me to keep, takes a little bit of pressure off me and helps me to keep doing what I'm doing so if you can find it in your heart check the patreon page out really is a great way to support a positive thing which is this podcast and also as well another great way to support the podcast is to check out the ascend podcast retreat that's up and coming in September 2020 it really is going to be an awesome experience cannot wait to to um to see all you guys who are who are already coming to the retreat but there is a few spots left on that retreat and that is also another great way to help me to keep doing what i'm doing in the future of this podcast so all if, if you can head over to the ascend podcast website all the details are on there and if, if you feel a pull in your heart of that it'd be really awesome to see you there so anyway without further ado enjoy this podcast with tree there should be also another podcast out maybe in a few days from now, just before Christmas. And then after that, I'm definitely going to record another episode of Observing My Thoughts in between that over Christmas as well. Because honestly, guys, some like I said, I've been going through some really interesting experiences lately. Had some in, in interesting introspection whilst going through a Kundalini last weekend whilst being immersed in immersed immersed in london that was also interesting as well and some of the things that i was seeing and learning so there's a lot anyway to talk about in the future of this podcast there really is a lot of interesting things unfolding so keep an eye out for for, for the future podcasts coming because they are going to get very interesting anyway so enjoy this podcast anyway with tree peace out people Yeah, yeah, in. yeah. Let's do it. So first off, we're in the the lucid dreaming room <laughs> for <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> Look, looking around, I know the the viewers on the camera and audio won't be able to see it, but it's very um very dreamlike. Let's say <laughs> very yeah. dreamy. Yeah, it's sort of like it's got this uh, power clash thing going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nothing really like quite matches, but it seems to all work in some kind of way. Um, but yeah, vibrant, uh, kind of like. I wanted a psychedelic effect. Yeah. Lucid dreams can feel very psychedelic. Yeah, definitely. I really I really want to have a conversation with you today because like we've seen before talking off the podcast and stuff. Off the podcast, it's already a podcast before we even do the podcast. I always say that. But the the mysteries of dreams is it's something that's always fascinated me all the time. I mean, some of the experiences that I'm having in my life at the minute, the way that dreams connect with other experiences as well and mm. guide you in certain directions and things. But I thought maybe a, a good starting point would be to just talk about the universal importance of dreams. Yeah, uh, dreams. I mean, they're almost our birthright as human beings. We all dream. It's one thing that we can all say we do. And it links us together in a common experience. Dreams seem to have, ha have had more importance, it would seem, um, for our ancestors. 
um, for early civilizations. People seem to consult um, seers or shamans to have their dreams interpreted. Even people who were of high rank or status mm -hmm. would uh, want their dreams analyzed or uh, receive some guidance in some kind of way for their dreams. But for the most part, it seems as though we've become dis disconnected from our dreams. Like desensitized from them? Desensitized. I think it was just on the advent of, um, uh, you know, psychology where we've seen, you know, the early formations of psychology where dreams lost their importance. They were just seen more as residual junk or residue from the day you know, and come playing itself out, um, and basically nonsense. So I think that a shift of thinking occurred where dreams were sort of shrugged off and not looked at in, in an important way anymore. Um, but having said that, people still continue to have dreams that are very profound, dreams that have touched their lives in some kind of way, or made them see something or feel something in a different way. So I do think that when, when the shift of the modern industrialized complex that we live in now, uh, it seems as though it's somewhat made us disconnected from our dreams. And I also feel too, the fact that we've become more disconnected from nature itself, it ha plays a really big part as well. So the disconnection from nature has also disconnected us from dreams. And the reason why I think that is that when we work with nature and we commune with nature, it brings us into a more inner state of being. Um, you know, there's studies that show that when you walk through the forest or even sitting in a, in a field and in a garden can help relieve anxiety or help slow down brain waves and, and, and bring us into a more um, peaceful mindset. So I mean, that, that itself says a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a, a disconnection with nature feels like a very integral part of being disconnected from dreams as well. Also, we've developed a lot of new modern habits that our ancient ancestors probably weren't doing. There was no iPads or <laughs> smartphones back in the day, but our new modern habits have made us disconnected from our dreams as well because they are disconnecting us from proper sleep. Yeah, so, for example, you know, our smartphones emitting blue light and uh, disrupting the circadian rhythms of our minds, creating insomnia. Um, you know, it's disrupting our sleep cycles, therefore interfering with our dreams as well. Also, like loads of the different stimulants we're putting in our bodies and our habits and our stress. Yeah. Um, so it's, when we become disconnected from nature, we become disconnected from self. And that's kind of like an old... Um, Native American Lakota tribe saying, uh, and there's some wisdom there. I mean, mm. I think everyone can attest to that you do feel different when you go on holiday, you're by the sea, or you're in nature, and it, there's like kind of like, oh, you know, this is a sort of relief and relaxation. Um, so I do feel like the two go hand in hand. I think you said a very interesting point there about when you go on holiday, because I think that's in relation to dreams. It's like more about allowing, allowing yourself, allowing yourself access to that world, because I think that's one of the biggest things, the difference between, regardless of technology, I know technology is definitely a big point, but the ancients actually created an importance around this that's ritual. Right. So they were, like you were saying before for the podcast when we're having some food and you were saying about how the shamans and stuff would 
they would they would get together, they would normalize it, they would create the importance around it, get everyone together. Think, what what was your dream tonight? What was your dream tonight? Because I mean, we've also seen before in there about how sometimes the the Monday world, like the 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 world, the place where you live in the world, can sometimes hinder that ability to dive into these deeper deeper topics. Because if say, if, for example, you I mean, it is very hard for somebody to sit and sit at a dinner table and turn around and just say, "Oh, I had this um, dream last night. I was I was flying through here. I was doing this." They'd be like, "Shut up, man! You're crazy." Yeah. But, but it really is true. I think it's about the importance, and I think as a culture, when you create more importance, speaking from yourself, when you create the importance within your own self around any practice, mm-hmm. it, heighten, it heightens it, and it and it sort of opens yourself up for more experiences. Absolutely, and that's why one of the biggest components of the conscious dreaming practice that I guide people through is dream sharing Mm. and collective sharing of dreams because it's an ancient practice. That's not why I'm, I'm condoning it, but it's a human, again, a very human element um, that we've lost touch with so I was describing to you over a cup of Guayusa earlier, the Kichiwa tribe that uses this plant in the mornings and comes together in, in ceremony and um, friendship and drink the Guayusa and then the shaman interprets um, everyone's dreams from the night before. So everyone's sharing their dreams and they see all of everyone's dreams as important. And collectively they make, you know, there's decision making and guidance as a collective. So I see that as a very important part of um, not just conscious dreaming practices, but also just as human beings, we've lost touch with each other and connectivity and altruism. And this is something that's been lost. Um, again, in our Western mindset, where we're pitted against each other from day one in competition and who's going to strive and who's going to win and who's going to be better. And I also see it in the dream scene where it's seen as almost like a competition and also an individual pursuit. Like, I'm going to be a lucid dreamer. I'm going to be the best lucid dreamer. (laughs) Um, He had 45 lucid dreams this month. Oh man, I only had like 10. And, (laughs) And there's this like competition and panic (laughs) and um it's not an individual pursuit i really think that i think it's a collective pursuit people think that they're doing their own thing and that they're you know they're exploring their consciousness issue you are but collectively we are um and this taps into the concept of the collective unconscious which was um a concept that was brought about with um psychoanalyst carl jung um, but that concept actually quite shamanic and it goes even it goes even back further into the ancients where there's a belief that there's something that's much bigger so the collective unconscious you can call it the field you can call it um, akashic records you can you know however you want to articulate it there seems to be something that's a bit bigger than us that that joins us and and, and brings us all together so when we explore um, our, our dream states and we explore lucid dreaming, we're, we're almost ex- collectively exploring it, even though we feel like, oh, this was my individual experience. Um, it has nothing to do with, with you. It has nothing to do with your friends. But there's something bigger at play. I really do think that consciousness exploration is a collective uh, pursuit. Yeah, definitely. Do you think you raised a good point there? It's something I wanted to touch on as well, especially with uh, Carl Jung's work and dreams and stuff, because he believed that um, 
not not only just the dream realm, but and I will just use it as a context now. We're talking about dreams, but how dreams can be a window in your own psyche to to sort of heal and change certain aspects of your your avatar, basically yeah. your, your human your human lives. Do you do you feel that? Do you feel the dream realm is very much centered around the fact that it's it's trying to guide you and teach you to become a better human being? Yeah, I do think we can access these zones through the through the dream realms. I really do feel that. Um, Dreams are an aspect of yourself that's giving you messages and guiding you. Um, I do also feel like there could be, dare I say, um, part of the collective <laughs> that mm. is is giving you messages and guiding you. Um, you could go so far as to say, you know, a lot of us have had similar dreams and, and from similar cultures and uh or from different cultures and you know different backgrounds we, we've all had the teeth falling out dream we've all had the the flying dream or being stuck in mud dream and this kind of integrally links us all together in some kind of way regardless of age regardless of gender regardless of history or culture um, we've all had these universal experiences but I do think there's aspects of of, um, of your own psyche that is guiding you, uh, definitely. And that's why when you do dream work as a conscious dreamer, uh, keeping a dream journal is really important with that because as you keep a dream journal, it's like a blueprint mm. in a way of your unconscious realms. And you can start to see patterns emerge. Like even looking back after one month's worth of dreaming, you could see a common thread that links maybe some of them together. And clearly those are messages from from aspects of you that are trying to get your attention to either change something in your life or transcend something or unpack something in some kind of way. So they're all, I see it as all guidance. Yeah, I think as well as you, as you, as you evolve, like you said, keep a dream journal because as you evolve, your consciousness evolves, you can go back to that dream journal and you will notice something that that dream was telling you, maybe that you didn't notice in the past when your consciousness wasn't as evolved. That's what I find. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this is the, the really cool thing about the journey. Like, I've had dreams before where, you know, really significant, profound dreams, and the meaning of the dream didn't come until a decade later in a huge eureka moment. So, again, the dream journal is important because you're mapping out your consciousness exploration um, as you sleep. And in order to help you in your waking life, moving forward, and but it's it's never instant gratification with dream work or even any type of practice or if you want to call it spiritual work or consciousness exploration. There's no instant gratification. This is the long view. You know, this is an evolution, and this is something that requires patience and discipline, thinking outside of the box, and. Um, letting things unfold we live in a society that wants things now you know like lucid dream tonight you know i'll give you the tips and the tools that you're going to be able to be flying yeah. tonight having sex with celebrities you know <laughs> so there's this kind of like you know again going back to our construct bear, bear, from day bear that one. mind though i can't give if someone wants to send us a thousand pound now i can give you a couple of tips to have sex right tonight <laughs> <laughs> like right now <laughs> <laughs> and that's all fun too you know i'm not i'm not dogging it at all i mean we we've all we all need to do that right this is all part of the human experience and it's great and um um but i guess what i'm trying to say is the instant gratification and because it's sometimes when people don't get results after like 24 hours or after a week or a month they get discouraged yeah, and then they give up the exploration um 
so it's just you know just trying yeah. to explain that 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 it's a long view and it's 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 a process the life and journey uh, is a process and it can be fun yeah, but yeah, patience is a big thing. But writing down your journal uh, in your dream journal is is super important, I think. Not just for creating the, the map work, but also to look back in the past, start joining the dots. And also, it's really great if you're prone to having precognitive dreams, which um, precognition is uh, dreaming something, and then the events unfold in your waking reality at a, at a later point in the future. Um, I guess some people would call it a form of clairvoyancy or psychic dreaming, mm-hmm. uh, whatever words you want to use for it. So that's great if you're journaling, because if you have a dream of an event and you've written it down and you've got the date there and the the, the, the event unfolds, ah, you can look back and say, I, in fact, had a dream about that. So that could be very encouraging if you uh, want to explore the, the realms of precognition and you want to trust it more and let it evolve um ultimately it's it's there it's a very mysterious uh, thing precognition um it's not quite been proven by science that it is something that exists Mm. but a large percentage of the population have experienced precognition and you know in fact believe like uh, in the possibilities of precognition and why do we have it? Um, I think we have precognition in order to um, help each other. It, it's something that is just simple as that. As a collective Borg or species or mind, um, it's, it's just a sensitivity in a sense that we've tapped into something greater and maybe it's there in order to help us in some kind of way. I think as well, what I've noticed in my life is sometimes that precognition doesn't always have to come in the form of because I think when people talk in the form of precognition, they always think about it's you're going to have this dream that's going to give you this vision that's going to that you're going to clearly see. But I think sometimes it comes out in terms of just a feeling because yes, I, and I, I know it's like it sounds wooey and stuff, but I think sometimes we all have um, moments of intuition where something will say don't do this or tell someone to do this or and, and sometimes sometimes we don't. I don't think we fully understand what is the cause of that. Um, yeah. But there is something to that. There's definitely- there is something to that. And I wouldn't necessarily call it woo because it's just it's just the realms of the senses. Mm-hmm. And we are sentient beings that have realms of senses. Mm-hmm. And, and you could even say, you know, there's certain animal species and, and like even insects that have these really complex realms of senses Mm -hmm. and intuition that you know boggles the mind but we wouldn't call you know the sensitivity of a a caterpillar uh as being woo it it just is you know and um i think us human beings are, are are very sensory beings and we do have aspects of us that um are deeply intuitive and we just can sometimes know things or have a gut instinct about something and I think these things are, you know, they're usually coined as supernatural, but I actually think that they're just natural, natural. And and within the scope of our sensitivity, some of us are, you know, if you look at it as, as, as a spectrum, some people are very highly sensitive and they're able to almost like somehow read people's minds or moods or feel, you know. Um, so it's a spectrum and some people maybe less so, um, but it's just, I think, just part of being a human being. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, we were talking earlier about, I think what we were touching on earlier off the podcast, I know I keep saying that, but it's, like I said, all these conversations blend, but we were talking about the them senses, how, how they, like you said, they do become heightened in more people. But I do feel that 
um, it's an acceptance of it, like because I think as you become more acceptance of the senses within yourself, they start heightening more and more. Absolutely. And I think maybe we're talking about ancient cultures before about shamans and um, cultures in the past and things, how they maybe were just in that state all the time where they they didn't there wasn't there wasn't no sort of lines lines between this or that. It was just it was just always was. It just always is. They have the ability to to see that way, whereas our sort of um, our preconceived notions of how the world should be because of the, the way the world's set up and stuff it says that you shouldn't be able to feel this you shouldn't be able to see this but maybe that's maybe that's what is happening i mean more people are becoming maybe more people are, are loosening that them, them traps that that hold us down yeah the shaman lives in the natural state of flow in a symbiotic relationship with nature mm. and highly sensitive highly in tune and some people can call it, oh, that's just hocus pocus or woo or whatever you want to. But it's undeniable that there's an intrinsic link between them and the natural world. And like I said, no different from a caterpillar that's able to sense things through its fuzzy body. Uh, you know, the shaman as well can like, sense things. Like so that's why I was drawing the, the link between dreams and nature and the disconnect mm. It somehow makes a disconnect from our inner inner realms, um, and that's and our sensitivities. But certainly, like you said, we can bring that back. Um, we, we are a complex system. These bodies, there's so much to explore, and there's so much more to to connect with. And various practices from around the world uh, will be like on the way. This is the way in. Um, you know, through meditations or through yoga or through the psychedelic experience. Um, these are all ways in to the inner worlds into, you know, into connecting bigger, even religion, uh, which, which, is necess- which is doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so no matter how, which way you want to look at it, uh, the undeniable, you know, base note for all of them is that there's a, it's a connectivity issue. And how, so how do we get there? How do we connect back to their inner realms and, and to our senses mm-hmm. and to, um, to push it further and to explore this thing called consciousness, which is, you know, yeah. the act of perception. Yeah, definitely. When you, when you were, um, were talking before about the, the psyche aspect of dreams, I wanted to sort of go back to that because it's, um, it's, it's definitely something that's playing out in my life and the way I'm reading how my own psyche is unfolding in the, in the dream realm. I was wondering if you could sort of speak about the, the shadow aspect and maybe how that unfolds in the dream realm. Yeah. How, how have you found that? So the shadow is, the, the concept of the shadow is uh, a Carl Jung concept. Um, but you could find this concept in loads of yeah, different uh, um, religions, thought systems, philosophies. You could call it our dark side. You could call it the little devil on our shoulder. There's yeah. a lot of different ways of articulating this concept. So the shadow is the, the, the aspects, there, there are wounds in the aspects of ourselves that we don't really want to look at, um, maybe that we feel uncomfortable with, we're not proud of, um, the, the, the behavioral aspects of us that um, we're ashamed of. And you can certainly work with the shadow in your dream realms and also in your waking realms as well. So, yeah, it's, sure. you know, so these are just aspects of consciousness. It doesn't matter if you're sleeping, doesn't matter if you're awake or you're having a psychedelic trip um, or deep meditation. You can, the, you know, the shadow will crop its rear its ugly head and you'll be like looking at it going, damn, do I want to even look at this right now? Yeah, um, but yeah, you certainly can use um, 
make an intent to be like, I'm going to face my wounds, face my fears, face my shadow, face the little devil inside of me and, uh, and transcend it. Um, why would we want to transcend our shadow? Well, it's part of a consciousness evolution. Do we want to continue with these negative feedback loops that we've had since maybe we were young? You know, so if your your shadow is one of um, jealousy, let's just say that's that that's the big shadow, feeling jealous of of other people's achievements, or jealous of your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or possession and possessive possessiveness, and it's which which is a terrible feeling to have. Um, and this is a cyclical thing that you just keep get triggered and triggered and triggered into. You can use the dream um, scape to explore that further simply with an intent. I want to stop being a jealous person yeah. and I, I want to be open to um, stop that feedback loop of jealousy and use my dream realms to face it and look at it in the face and, and, and unpack it and find out where the wound is coming from. Because yeah. usually there's something down through all of those layers you know the baseline is there and uh, sometimes you know we we find it very difficult to get to the root cause of it so usually you know a lot of people go to therapy to get to the root cause or you can use your dreams to get to the root cause you can use plant medicine to get there as well so no matter which way you do it Mm. you will always come down to a fundamental thing which is usually a wound from childhood or some kind of trauma that's been passed down, yeah, you know, passed down through your family. I mean, there's been studies that show that we actually store trauma in our DNA and it's, you know, a you know, passed down uh, trait. Um, so, yeah, you can actively use your dreams to use it to uh, transcend yeah, the yeah. shadow. Definitely. I, th- I'm, I was trying to, there's so many different places to take this, but I was going to just touch, touch on a point there about... Um, when you were saying about the trauma aspect, mm-hmm. I think the trauma aspect as well. It might not just be sense of where it's tr- something's trapped in our in our sort of genetics. It could be. I mean, Anthony Pick was on this podcast a while ago, and he was speaking about how how I think he calls it the Damien. I think the Damien. I think yeah. he calls it where he, it's basically something that remembers. It's like something that attached to your consciousness that remembers everything. Mm. So maybe there's like an aspect of our our. It's not maybe it's not our like uh, genetics or our biological vessel like remembering things. Maybe it's like. That our consciousness itself has some sort of remembrance of things that you didn't do correct in the past and you have to sort of allow them to unfold in the dream realm or in the, in the waking world and sort of try and correct them in a certain way but i was going to say as well before i think mm. it's it's really um i think it's vital for people to understand as well what i've figured in the dream realm is that because we were talking before about this how the psyche um unfolds in certain manifests in certain different ways like the shadow aspect and things things that you need to work on a lot of the time people think that's a bad thing they the when they come face to face with the shadow they think it's a bad thing but i think it's it's actually really cool that every single night every single person has the ability to go to bed and dream and work on yourself like it's it's such a powerful and profound thing i mean i had this um dream once um where i was going through a period in my life where i was definitely i would say that i had a towards the, uh, females and things i had a very um egotistical point of view where i'd would, I would see women just as a sexual object and i had this dream once where the dream itself actually turned us into a prostitute and made us feel all the sensations of what i was really what my psyche was portraying to other females wow and it made us feel everything it had the sort of the uh 
the red stilettos on and stuff and amazing uh, and the, like the red leather leather dress and stuff that's hot <laughs> <laughs> and i just remember what, uh, being on the street corner and the, all these guys were just hurling abuse at us and like seeing sexy stuff like that and then I, just, I felt in the dream like what i'd been doing to other people and how i'd been portraying women around us and wow. stuff it's just a sexual object so it, it, goes, it goes so deep how it unravels that is so a- aspect cool. like that that's great isn't that amazing what a, what a gift from the dream now did you go into that with like my intent is to uh heal my you know views of women or did that just get given to just you just got given to us so that's great it, it's funny because you're funny you said that I'll, I'll let you jump in sorry i get excited sometimes I have these conversations but um the intention aspect i don't really i can't really remember myself setting intentions you know and any anything that i do yeah. it seems like it just unfolds naturally yeah so so this is what i was talking about with the collective pursuit instead of an individualistic pursuit. Mm-hmm. So sometimes with an individualistic pursuit, we'd be like, I want to deal with my shadow when it comes to treating women like sexual objects. Or the dream just gives it to you. And now collectively, we've got a lot of change going on. And you know, a lot of women are coming out saying, you know, with the Me Too movement and you know, voicing their, their, their pain and their wounds for being you know, treated as sexual objects. So there's a kind of a collective wave happening and a collective wave of change mm-hmm. and, and, and good and healing. So collectively, it's there out there in, in the ether, or if you want to just call it that. And I can see these things can kind of come through in the dream. So we're healing as a whole. We're healing collectively. So for example, the Me Too movement is, is a chance for us to collectively heal, uh, for men to heal their a shift of paradigm of thinking of how you know, we view women, and for women to heal from, you know, from, from the pain of being objectified that way. So that's an example of that, and what a gift that the dream gave you that. Mm-hmm. But I do feel it's in, intrinsically linked to the collective, because I think we're effectively all evolving together. Our consciousness is all evolving together at the same time. It's not individualistic. That's, that's the flaw that we see that there's a separation between me and you. And um, that's the, what we've been conditioned since we were little whippersnappers. You it, know? It, yeah, it's like what uh, Bill Hicks says. He says, um, one consciousness experiences itself subjectively. And it, it's clear to see that. I mean, at times when you see patterns in people, it's just a trait of yourself. It's just you start recognizing that an aspect that you see in someone else really is just an aspect of yourself, yeah. good, and ba- good and bad. Um, yeah. And it's trying to like navigate through that space and <laughs> improve the whole, really. That's, that's what it is. It is, an imp- it is to striving to improve the whole. Yeah. You got it straight. It's the, what, what we know about this universe and what we're living in is that it's constantly evolving. And we, we have proof of that just from nature by watching uh, evolution right before our eyes. Um, I see consciousness as the same. I see that our consciousness is evolving and we're evolving together. So when I rise and I experience some sort of breakthrough in a consciousness way, you do too. And so do your friends. Yeah. And it's, it's all together. Um, and this is um, what I really think um, makes it exciting that we can work collectively together and it, and it's not a competition. Consciousness exploration and ascension and however you want to call it, transcendence, it's not a competition. Yeah, it, it's a collective, beautiful evolution. What, what do you feel about the aspect of decoding dreams? Because, I mean, I've been on a journey where, I, like say, for example, I have a dream at night 
that, that that dream in particular, the one with the prostitute, was very it was very clear. That's what it, that's very clear what it was. <laughs> but there's times where you have a dream, and it's not clear. It's not yeah. you can't find your way through it. I mean, how do you have any maybe tips for people? How can we decode, decode our dreams in a better yeah. way? We have all the answers within us to decode our dreams. All the keys we need are there. It helps to to do dream sharing and soundboarding. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and I know that some people do feel like psychoanalysts can help a lot with that as well. And absolutely. There's lots of different ways in which you can approach this. But I do feel that everyone has their the answers within themselves. Dreams and the symbology and the language of dreams, it's super trippy. It's very much like a psychedelic experience. So I think those those who have had the psych- psychedelic experience, they kind of get it. They get they get you get the symbology mm. after a while. It's not for face value. So if you dream of um, you know, a huge elephant chasing you, it's not literally the huge elephant chase chasing you. In a psychedelic experience, you will be shown that represents like you will actually be given this strong intuitive um, hit that actually that elephant chasing me is my dad you know it will come through quite clearly in the psychedelic experience so it's very similar in dreams the language is very similar except you're not out of your fucking mind on you know some plant medicine or some psilocybin (laughs) sometimes Uh, feels like that though (laughs) that's right (laughs) the dreams can get very psychedelic sometimes um depending on your lucidity within the context of of you know awareness but the language of, of dreams and the symbols of dreams are usually very personal. Um, but if you wake up from a dream where you're like, that there was an animal and there was all these colors and symbols, you can you know write it down and, and then how to decode it is, is really look into um, the emotional aspect of the dream. Um, the biggest clue from dreams is your emotional content. So it doesn't matter really, well, it does matter what you are seeing as symbols and the imagery content, but the biggest clue is your emotions when awakening. For So I'll go back to the example of the, the elephant chasing you. So say it's a dream where the elephant's chasing you um, and then you wake up. So you can have that, interpret that in two different ways. You, the elephant could have been chasing you and you wake up and that, that was a hilarious dream. Woke up, it was laughing, it was so funny. Or it could be, I, I woke up and I was terrified. So the, the key there with decoding the dream, it was your emotional content. So that's the first step in decoding your dream is really look at what the emotions were doing as soon as you, as soon as you woke up and within the dream and start there. And then you can work backwards now decoding animal dreams there's loads of information online you can certainly like find lots of stuff lots of dream dictionaries um i personally like to approach it from more of a shamanic point of view as seeing um, animals as archetypes but also seeing animals as as guides and teachers so from a shamanic perspective like an you know an animal has a certain quality to it or certain um character or a um you know, an essence, a consciousness. So I like to see animals from that pers- from a shamanic perspective. And there's loads of information online. So if you dream of a wolf, you can like look up, mm-hmm. you know, wolf shamanic or, you know, they use the word spirit animal, which sounds, yeah, super woo or whatever. But the, the, the roots of that are actually shamanic and, and actually like nature, um, nature-based. So you can, you can look at it from that point of view. So from a shamanic perspective, we work with plants plants are our guides and our teachers 
Well, so are animals. Animals are our guides and our teachers as well. Um, and so I would approach it from, from that point of view. But everyone is different. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly think that uh, consciousness exploration is a personal, um, there's personal symbologies yeah. that make sense for the individual. Yeah, only for the individual. Yeah, so one person might uh, approach their conscious dreaming practice with a, a Buddhist perspective. So all of the Buddhist iconography and um, uh, symbolisms pull through into the dream realms and and that helps them for another person it might be some christianity symbol it could be jesus or the saints coming through uh for someone who is atheist or agnostic it could be something else so you don't even have to subscribe to any type of religion or spirituality in order to um explore your consciousness through dreams you can be you know this is you this is an exploration of you so i think all the symbology and everything is all within that too uh, is all within um in there but all the answers you have are inside you that's why the dream journaling is good because you're able to look at the dream from different views and that's why dream sharing is good because you're able to unpack the dream from multiple sources sounding boarding soundboarding your dream i know you said before it is very much an individual pursuit i mean i heard somebody we were listening to a podcast on the way down and they were talking about this guy was saying about dreams how he's only willing to look at people's dreams he has to like you said he, before he looks at analyzes someone's dream he wants to look at the individual first like how they live in their lives how they um like from like you said from more of an emotional point of view like look at the person before they look at the dream but do you is is there any um is there any universal um sort of um, characteristics that like basic fundamental characteristics that you recognize in patterns within people in symbols or or sort of symbols dream symbols that people are seeing is there any common occurrences yeah there, there is there's i mean there's like there, there was a book written a while back called dreams of madonna where it was like people from all over the world dream, who had a dream of madonna mm. i mean this that's just an example of someone who is in um, our collective unconscious and she's an archetype of some sort but we certainly have universe share universal dreams and dream symbols uh was gave one an example earlier i think which like the teeth falling out dream Mm. like we've all experienced that and that's something that is very common um uh or you know trying to run and being really stuck being the the chase dream everyone's had the chase dream um these are all very universal symbols Uh, dreams of water and waves that's another one um there's a lot of things that tie in um, to our um, universal experience with dreaming. Those are just a few examples. What, what about the aspect of recurring dreams? Do you feel yeah. about that? Recurring dreams are um, a dream that seems to play itself out over and over again, almost like a little mini film loop. And I, they're there to uh, get our attention. The reason why they keep repeating is because they're like, hey, uh, pay attention to me. It's me again. There's something for you to look at. There's something for you to transcend and to resolve. So recurring dreams, and if you're having them, um, it's a big prompt from your unconscious realms to look at something. And usually there's something there that's, um, there's some trauma there to transcend or to resolve or some healing in some kind of way. But some people go one step further with um, recurring dreams, especially when it's not linked to any trauma. 
and it's not obvious, it's completely mysterious. Like for example, a recurring dream of being a soldier in a war, fighting in a very specific war and having a very specific uniform. Um, there's a lot of theories that people entertain that maybe it's tapping into some sort of past life event or something that the individual's consciousness has experienced before and it's somehow uh, on a feedback loop playing out um, in this, pre this incarnation. You were saying before about um, the aspect of dream sharing. I wanted to go back to that. Could you touch yeah. a bit more on that? Because I think that's fascinating. I haven't really talked about much of that on the podcast. Uh, what so, do you think is going on there? Yeah, what's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> so that I, this is my... Yeah, so mutual dreaming, really uh, something I'm really into exploring at the moment. So this is um, a shared dream between human beings. So it would be as though um, you and I have exactly the same dream. And... Now it's really mysterious with this because it's like how how could that possibly happen especially if there's no outside influence or there's nothing that's happening within the narrative of your waking life and my waking life that would perfume the dream. So for example, what would perfume a dream? We both go to um to a dog race and there's there's dogs racing, mm. greyhounds. And that night we both have a dream of the dog race. So that, you know, that, that contaminates <laughs> the experiment, so to speak. But I've had, um, I actively tried to pursue this mutual dreaming um, in, my, in, my, in my retreats. Because with retreats, you're, you're there for a long um, time. And you're there for like five nights, three nights, two nights. Mm -hmm. And you're all collectively sharing dream space. And it seems as though... Um, there's something interesting that happens when human beings come together with the pursuit of dreaming. I think and it's I, with everything as well. It's, it's really, really interesting. So I'll give an example. At my last retreat in London, it was a two-night urban retreat. So something I hadn't done before. I was like, let's do it actually in London. And usually I do it out in nature, but we, we did it urban-wise because I was like, this would be interesting. Let's see if we can connect still. And there was a woman who came to the retreat, and the reason why she wanted to come was because she hadn't had a dream in 42 years, which is a long time. I was really like, 42 wow. years, wow. She wanted to kickstart her dream realms. So we were doing the retreat, and part of the retreat is I work a lot with the plants. They're Wineerogens, which are plants that help promote and trigger dreams. Mm -hmm. They're like dream guides in a way. So we're doing plant ceremonies and um, for the two nights and on the second night I do this technique called it's a mutual dreaming technique so we, we, we do a meditation and we connect uh, with the intent of connecting in dream space so I know that sounds like completely like sci-fi weirdo shit hey why would you do that and um, you're nuts why but wouldn't I, you do it but I'm like why <laughs> that's, not that's what I'm saying why would you not do I'm that I'm like <laughs> why not this, you know, if you're up for the experiment, I'm up for the experiment. Yeah. This is exploration. Definitely. Let's give it a go. So, but I mean, I've been doing this for quite a few years, so I know it works. Yeah, definitely. So I'm guiding everyone through the guided meditation um, for connecting in dream space, which is just very simple. It's setting an intent to connect with the other dreamers mm -hmm. in dream space for either shared content or, you know, just open to connection. Um, and guiding them through a little uh, visual meditation. And then we all go to bed that evening, uh, right after, the, after this uh, ceremony or ritual, however you want to call it. 
and we all go to sleep. We're all in various places sleeping. This woman who hadn't dreamt in 42 years, we were sharing dream space. So it was literally like on a mat on the floor and she was sleeping like, you know, three feet away from me. And I go to sleep and I'm, I'm having several dreams that evening and uh, none of them involved anyone from the dreaming group. So I didn't dream of anyone in the dreaming group. And a lot of the dreams felt, you know, random because, you know, we're immersed in this dreaming retreat. So we're, we're not on Instagram or reading the news yeah. or reading articles. We were like, you know, we're getting into the dream work and the, into the practice. So, you know, sometimes dreams can be really unusual. You wake up and you go, why was I having a dream about that? I haven't been having conversations about that. There's no topics related to that. So anyway, I, I write in my dream journal. I record my dreams. And then I'm making breakfast for the group in the morning. Uh, and th this woman who hadn't dreamt in 42 years had came into the kitchen with like a, the hugest smile on her face going, oh my God, and then really excited. She's like, I had a dream. Her mind blown that she had her first dream um, f for 42 years. And she's like, I'll show you, you know, obviously I'm going to share it in the dreaming circle because in the mornings, um, so what we do is we write in our journals and no one speaks about their dreams. Um, we have breakfast and then we, we do our, um, no, actually we don't have breakfast. We have, do the ceremony first and then breakfast, but we go in and then we do some dream sharing. So we all are in the circle and I start off with um, sharing dreams. So I share my first dream which felt very random. And I'm at this, um, this really swept up fashion event, very fashionista for like fashion designer stuff. And I'm with two gay guys that I don't know. And they're really like camp, champagne, and really having a great time. And I'm like, this is fun. I'm hanging out with these guys <laughs> and they're trying clothes on and they're like, let's go explore. And so we went into a lobby and there was a, an elevator, like a lift. And they're like, let's get into the lift. And I was like, got into the lift with them and they were dancing around and like joking around and we pressed the button and then the lift shot up really fast up and, and it was like, a, like we we're on a ride and then it stopped and then it dipped and then it went up again and it wasn't scary at all. We were actually like, woohoo, <laughs> like it was like this great ride. And so that was a dream I shared. And as I was sharing this dream, I could see the woman across the circle who had the dream, her first dream in 42 years, her mouth just go. And I thought, okay, we're onto something here. Okay, we'll, we'll see when we go around the circle when it gets to her. So the poor thing, she had to wait like probably <laughs> 15 minutes before she had her chance to share. And when she did, she was, you know, she said, I had my first dream in 42 years and we all burst out like, yes. And she said, and not only that, it was the same dream as Tree. Wow. And we were like, what? And then she read from her, her journal, her, her perspective from her dream. She was at a fashion event in Italy and she was with her two gay friends. So these two gay guys are known to her and they were trying on the clothes from the designer. And they decided to go explore this. She said it was a, a hotel. So she had more details than I did. Uh, it was in Italy. It was a hotel and, and the designer and the, and, the, and the two friends were known to her. Went into the lobby. They call for the elevator, the lift. Mm. They get into the lift and they press the button. And she said it shot up like a rocket. So this is 
I mean, this is shared dreaming. This is mutual dreaming. Um, how it happens, I don't know. If you're a scientist and you want to do some lab work, hit me up because we're doing this in all of my retreats with results every time and simply through just an, an intent to connect. But also we're physically sharing dream space. I mean, this woman was literally sleeping three meters away from me um, in the room. So, it, you know, mysterious bullshit, maybe, coincidence, maybe. There was nothing within our peripheral during the retreat that would indicate fashion, gay guys, like, mm. you know. So a really special case. Um, but she was so elated and it blew her mind so much that it actually shifted her and activated her into a new sort of zone of consciousness. So one of my biggest things with doing the, um, the immersive retreats is not just so much for exploring mutual dreaming and really exploring the boundaries of consciousness and shared consciousness, mm -hmm. but also to activate people, to give people a direct experience because this is where the work gets done. When you have a direct experience with your own consciousness engaging in a dream in a way that you hadn't done before, it shifts you, it changes you. That's what sometimes the practice, I think sometimes the practices are angled in that way. It's not sometimes always about, because I'm, I'm, I tend to sometimes try and find the bigger meanings of things and think like, there must be a bigger meaning here sometimes. But I think sometimes when you, I think when you get off track in your life, I, I think the physical does that at times, times when it, you work and you do your, your job and you're, trying to, you're, struggling, you're struggling to find time and you get off balance. I think sometimes something does come along where is a sense, you can call it the sense of the mystical, the sense of the woo, or it just has to be a dream or out-of-body experience, whatever it is, comes along, uh, sort of drops into your game, in your character, into your game, and then puts you back on the course where you should be really heading. Yeah. I feel there's loads of things in life, I think that's happening for, I think that happens for pe many people around them. Like I said before, people think that these occurrences of the, of the um, sort of abnormal, I'm going to use the word, it's not the right word, abnormal experiences, different experiences, if you want to call them. <laughs> these occur because they they um you're off balance and they want to just like put you back on on the on the correct trajectory like i think sometimes in life when i've realized in this life when a big occurrence happens in your life where on the like initially uh, we were talking about this yesterday how initially uh, something can happen in your life and you think it's a bad thing mm -hmm. but then two years or three years four years down the line you realize actually what it was doing it was actually putting you back into the position where you were meant to be or, or just sort of tipping you back into balance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And all the, all the different ways you want to call it, the abnormal activity, yeah. su super normal activity, yeah. uh, woo. I mean, I, I actually, woo makes me laugh because I actually think it's more like whoa, you know, like because mm. when you have yeah, an experience, definitely. you just go, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like whoa, whoa, not woo, woo. Um, because it's a direct experience mm. and it's hard to articulate it to other people. And usually when you try to, people just go, whoa, you're nuts. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I try to, with my retreats to have like, yeah, these, whoa, experiences yeah. and direct experiences. But I think sometimes, yeah, the practical can kind of get in the way of consciousness exploration. I'll give you an example. We get so hung up with our thinking minds that there's 
techniques and laws and rules and methods in which to do things, which are great. They do give you a structure and they do give you like um, an access and a doorway into exploration when you have, when you follow techniques and rules and laws, but it can work against you. Uh, the thinking mind can actually be a block to consciousness exploration when you get very hung up on the process. Um, people forget that there's a lot of play involved and there's a lot of flow involved and like, so that's where, so what is play and what is flow? Uh, think about little kids. If you've ever been around a little kid, like a toddler, they're playing, they're flowing, uh, they're talking to themselves. They're making little characters talk to each other. They have imaginary, uh, friends and, um, they seem to be on a different wavelength and they kind of are actually because children have their brain waves are actually operating in theta mode until they go around five years old and go into school and then they move into beta mode which is our monkey chatter mind uh, theta is uh, the state of flow it's uh, theta is our is the brain waves when we're sleeping and dreaming so that says a lot about um flow and and playfulness but I think what happens is we get stuck in on the thinking mind and the way of doing things. And I see this with a lot of conscious dreamers, a lot of lucid dreamers, where they, they're they like, I'm doing all the right techniques that this guy said, and I read that book, and this guy, and I'm doing everything, I'm watching all the YouTube videos, and it's not, you know, I haven't had a lucid dream in six months, I'm having a dry spell, and they get really hard on themselves. And I'm just like, yo, chillax, man, like, just like, have a bit of fun, like, mm like just flow a little and, and there's like, I don't understand. It's like, okay, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, you dream, obviously dream a lot. And I was helping this one guy and he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, what's one thing that you always seem to have appear in your dreams? And he said, um, I have the sky. I, always the sky is in my dreams. And I said, okay, I know you're doing your reality checks and all these techniques throughout your day. Change it up, change it up in a playful way. Like think outside of the box. Start using the sky as your reality check because it keeps appearing in your dreams. So if the sky is always in your dreams, the chances of you going lucid would be pretty great because of the repeat pattern of mm -hmm. the sky. So he started doing what I call sky checks where he, every, you know, many times during the day, he would look up into the sky and do his reality check feedback loop. Um, am I dreaming? Am I awake? Is this reality? I'm really present and aware of the sky. There's a cloud, there's a plane, you know, doing his reality check with the sky. And after a month of doing that, guess what? He saw a sky in his dream and he went lucid. Um, so this was using, you know, thinking is outside of the box, not sticking to the rules, not sticking to the law, sticking to the technique and doing it in a different way, kind of like how children are. There's a flow and a playfulness. So don't forget to be playful in your practice. Um, Again, that's a very shamanic attribute. Mm -hmm. Sh shamans um, can be very childlike. I don't know if you've ever looked into the lives of shamans. Sometimes you're looking at them, their face looks very like yeah, childlike. Definitely. And then at the same time, it can s switch really quickly. And you're looking into the eyes of death itself or some ancient being. So there's, a, there's something to be said about that. But don't forget to play. Don't forget to flow. Yeah, I think we'll leave it there. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't forget. Don't forget to play. Just like these cameras are playing with us right now. I know. <laughs> they're really wanting to. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for coming on the it was podcast. A pleasure. Really, it really it was, was a cool pleasure. conversation. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Really cool one. I thought that was. It really was a nice conversation. And the Dream Realm, like I said, it really is a fascinating one for me. There's so much going on there in terms of how the dream is guiding us in certain certain directions in our waking life. It really is fascinating. And it's such a beautiful thing to be able to explore that every single night when we go to sleep. Oh, maybe we're not going to sleep. Maybe we're just waking up. <laughs> but anyway, um, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you can, find it in your heart. Support the podcast through the Patreon page. Also, check out the Ascend podcast retreat. That would be awesome. And just to play this conversation out, as I always do, this one really is a cool one. And it's just a little reminder to not take life too seriously and remind you that it's just a, it's just a crazy ride. And this is... A, um, a talk by the great Bill Hicks. I've listened, I always listen to this many times and his, in the words that he speaks in this really does ring true and makes you realise that life is just a crazy ride. So anyway, enjoy this speech by Bill Hicks. It's just a ride. Peace out, people. There is a point. Is there a point to all this? Let's find a point. Is there a point to my act? I would say there is. I have to. <laughs> the world is like a ride at an amusement park. And when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. And the ride goes up and down and round and round. It has thrills and chills, and it's very brightly colored, and it's very loud. And it's fun for a while. Some people have been on the ride for a long time, and they begin to question, is this real, or is this just a ride? And other people have remembered, and they come back to us, and they say, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. And we kill those people. <laughs> Shut him up. We have a lot invested in this ride. Shut him up. Look at my furrows of worry. Look at my big bank account, and my family. This has to be real just a ride. But we always kill those good guys who try and tell us that. You ever notice that? And let the demons run amok? But it doesn't matter because it's just a ride. And we can change it anytime we want. It's only a choice. No effort, no work, no job, no savings of money. A choice right now between fear and love. The eyes of fear want you to put bigger locks on your door, buy guns, Close yourself off the eyes of love. Instead, see all of us as one. Here's what we can do to change the world right now to a better ride. Take all that money we spend on weapons and defense each year and instead spend it feeding, clothing, and educating the poor of the world, which it would many times over, not one human being excluded, and we can explore space together, both inner and outer, forever in peace.